Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson minisode. This is number, this should be number 54. We're recording it several weeks before it goes up because uh, Josh is going to be out of town for roughly uh, like 19 weeks, I think. Um, so we, uh, hopefully there have been no crazy developments uh, that we probably should address mm. and are not, but uh, we'll just assume that uh, did not happen. And so we will, I will welcome in Josh. Josh, how you doing? Hi. I would say welcome back, but it's been pretty seamless, actually. If we do this right, then there will be no episodes recorded without you. No, I, I don't think there will be. So I think we're in good shape. So uh, Glad I wasn't away for too long. Absolutely. Uh, so hopefully everybody had a good uh, Christmas holiday. Josh, I bet you had a blast. I'll be, I'm probably having a blast right now. Yes, that's probably true, actually, by the time this goes up. Yes, I believe you'll still be elsewhere. <sighs> St. Elsewhere. Oh, Nice. It's where we always go for. I never saw that that show. It was a, it was a show, right? I think so. Okay, yeah. That along with like thirty something, I, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> uh, I just know the title, probably because I know who Paul Goebel is, and he talks about them all the time. Mm. But um, so here's the deal: we don't have a lot of room, a lot of time to dilly dally. Uh, I can't be talking about. Uh, there are no announcements because at this point, I have no idea what there would be to announce um, this far in advance. So we'll just jump right into it. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the 1991 Best Picture, Jonathan Demme's Silence of the Lambs. Now, this is a fascinating little film because not only is it a gory, strange little thriller, but it is a gory, strange little little thriller that won picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. <laughs> only one of... One of only three movies to do that. Mm -hmm. The other, the other two being One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it happened one night. Mm. All from a movie that just—I mean, we've talked in the past about a movie being best picture material. Yeah, this is not it. This is not one of them, definitely. Especially when you look at the other nominees. Yeah, I know. I was just looking at that myself, and that is <laughs> it's crazy. Is a weird playing field. <laughs> I have, you know, it's I, I try to look at stuff like this and try to extrapolate things from the, the culture. And I do know the film is very popular. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe it was that. But I just I cannot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to speak ill of the film, but I cannot understand how the Academy, the one that we the one that y the year before gave best picture to dances with wolves mm -hmm. over Goodfellas and a number of other things, you know, a uh, uh, the Academy that two years before gave best picture to driving, driving Miss Daisy, Daisy instead of say born on the 4th of July mm -hmm. and didn't even nominate, uh, do the right thing. <laughs> That's the Academy we're talking about, <laughs> but they decided 1991, they were going to change it up. Yeah. And well, do you think part of that's a reaction to, I mean, was there criticism? I, I really don't know. Historically, was there criticism of people saying you guys always just pick the, the sappy, happy things that old people like? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much criticism there was. I certainly know that people thought it was silly that, uh, the dance with wolves won over Goodfellas. Certainly the critics thought that, but at the same time, silence lambs was not a critical hit. I mean, it was yeah. it wasn't panned or anything like that, but not every critic loved it. Some of them thought it was merely just gruesome and ugly and yeah. didn't have a lot of merit to it, except for maybe some good performances and maybe. a general good tone. I can see it being just kind of a reaction, because if you look at the 80s as a as a decade of best pictures, it's a lot of kind of 
I think a lot it's of my big l- movies. Yeah, it's a lot of big movies, and I think as a whole, it's probably my least favorite decade in terms of the best pictures. Weird, right? It's a lot of kind of soft stuff or uh, or uh, inspirational, almost to the point of feeling goofy. I mean, yeah. Driving Miss Daisy is a little bit like that. Rain Man was the year before. I mean, occasionally um, you get like a platoon in there. You do, but then you've for every platoon you've got out of Africa in terms of endearment. So, are you saying terms of endearment is not very good? No, I, I think I think it's a good movie, but I think it's it's more of a of that kind of oh absolutely soft drama yeah. easier to swallow maybe and even something like amadeus which which i think is a marvelous film yeah um even that it's safe it's a period it's a, piece yeah period film yeah. yeah and so uh so yeah it might have been a reaction against that i mean it was right around the time of you know we were just about to go into a new presidency we'd had 12 years of you know reagan and then bush so just 12 years of one party and it seemed to be i don't know just in general maybe the country was moving away from what i don't know what things were Mm -hmm. and maybe it was happening that way with film as well who's to say yeah but um but as far as the film itself um i'm i would venture to say if you're hearing this you've probably seen the film already almost everybody has that's one of the things that it's that's amazing about it as much of a gory and unsettling film as it is and doesn't really seem like it should have any kind of general appeal. It does. Like everybody's seen this movie. Everybody yeah. knows all the big beats from this movie. And who doesn't know who Hannibal Lecter is? Like that's oh, yeah. one of those characters everybody knows. Yeah, Fava Beans, nice Chianti. Yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah, that knows that. Thing. And which and I mean, think about it. A movie as unrepentantly gory mm-hmm. and disturbing as this is a film that is as widely seen as say the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> Which didn't win best picture. <laughs> it did not. It lost to Forrest Gump. Um, and so it's, uh, that is an astounding thing. And so, so it is worth, it is worth digging into what is it about this film that really resonated with people? And I do think Lecter is a big part of it, but yeah. we also can't deny that uh, Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling and the two of them together. Mm-hmm. First off, I think I think the fact that she's interacting with Lecter elevated a supporting character. Lecter's on screen 22 minutes. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It elevates a supporting character to lead because they are seen as equals. Mm-hmm. He has no arc. If you want to go, if you want to be dramatic about yeah, it, he yeah. has no arc. He's yeah. crazy. Crazy people don't get arcs. Um, <laughs> don't need them. Yeah, she has one. Mm-hmm. So she's definitely the lead. But uh, but that's the thing is it seemed somehow wrong to consider him supporting. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so the two of them with her performance being very grounded, very sympathetic, very vulnerable while still being tough, Mm -hmm. um, bouncing off of his, which is in my opinion, fun, but also showy. Mm -hmm. Um, it has always sort of, I do enjoy his performance. He, he clearly is making some very strong choices. He does not blink very much. Mm -hmm. He just has these penetrating blue eyes that are, are very disturbing. Um, but, uh, I'm a big fan of the Michael Mann film uh, Manhunter, which mm. featured Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter, and in my opinion, a much more realistic Hannibal Lecter, but at the same time, 
uh, were you to put that Hannibal Lecter into the dungeon-like asylum of uh, Silence of the Lambs, he would have gotten swallowed up. So I think you mm. needed a performance that matched the tone of the film. Yeah. And I think he, re- I think Hopkins really rises to that challenge. Because the tone's definitely a little fantastical. Yeah. It's more that it's not just a, a Law & Order episode. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which it could be. It's kind of a procedural. Yeah. It would have been, it, to me, it'd be neat to just reimagine <laughs> the Silence of the Lambs as a much more straightforward, almost. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be neat to see somebody like a Christopher Nolan uh, direct Silence of the Lambs. Not that he's not, he's not opposed to the grotesque as we mm-hmm. see from the Joker, but um, he also tends to be a fairly straightforward filmmaker. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So uh, and then I myself, my favorite show on TV, although at the moment it's it's not running, but it'll start back up in February, um, is uh, Hannibal on NBC, which I think is every bit as fantastical and often ridiculous mm-hmm. as um, as Jonathan Demme's film. I, I haven't felt a lot of drive to see that show, but somehow I missed that Mads Mikkelsen plays Hannibal Lecter, and that kind of makes me want to see it. <laughs> and he's, he's an actor that I really enjoy. Yeah, and he's really great. It's weird because so much of the the character has is so designed in the film that you often wonder, as I often do, which is, how could this guy make it as a psychiatrist? Who on earth would tell this man their secrets? Mm-hmm. Um but he also plays him as a guy who's just very guarded, um, doesn't show a lot of his cards, but is able to uh, listen. Mm. And sometimes that's all somebody needs. And mm. so it is, a, it is, in my opinion, a really wonderful series. Um, and it's a series that owes a lot more to this film than to uh, Manhunt. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a very – is it weird to – I don't think with this film, but I feel like the series – it's very baroque. Does that? Yeah. What What does that mean to you? That That um, term. I, I feel like it. I want to make sure we're on the same page here. Yeah, it, it conjures up kind of an idea of uh, having having kind of a style to it, uh, but but a, uh, a a classicism kind of. Yeah. And um, I feel like it conjures up ideas of a certain type of architecture and yeah. uh, just a a somehow both stark and ornate ornate is visual maybe yeah darkly flamboyant is how i tend to think of it and that's certainly the film and i do think that that it it borrows that from this like this is a film that like you said there's a fantastical quality to it it doesn't seem to completely take place in our reality Mm -hmm. um everything seems to be just bumped up a little bit like even uh ted levine plays the primary uh killer named Mm -hmm. buffalo bill and he's a very he's very disturbing but there's just little things like by having by having uh this guy with the with the weird voice and eventually it's only a matter of time before some before you the listener and anybody who's seen this film it's only a matter of time before you do a buffalo bill impression <laughs> at some point um and so uh i was about to do one but i'm not going to can you do one probably okay well, we don't want to we don't want to freak out the uh, the listeners on the first of the year, but um, but yeah, uh, but that's the thing. Ted Levine is not a he can be actually a very a very subtle and nuanced uh, performer when he's playing sort of an everyman, but playing a guy who skins women and then wears their skin and then dances to uh, Goodbye Horses, maybe oh, I, don't I forget. Remember. Um, and just and then having that 
terrifying voice and just mm-hmm. everything is heightened you yeah. know um when you uh, we know a number of people oddly enough who uh, have a weird obsession with serial killers and just movies about serial killers it's true and the one thing that you hear over and over is when people say like oh i never would have expected it you know mm-hmm. ted bundy jeffrey dahmer it doesn't matter people always with the exception of manson who always tended to telegraph it um <laughs> everyone said oh i never would have thought he would always seem like such a nice man and whether it be Buffalo Bill or Hannibal Lecter, nobody would ever, ever look at that person and say, oh, I'm surprised that person turned out to be a killer. <laughs> I feel like I could trust that man. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, so that's the thing is, in a way, it almost has, not literally, of course, but it almost has a Dick Tracy vibe where mm-hmm. the people that are going to be monsters have always been rather monstrous. And you can just kind of tell by looking at them and, and talking to them yeah. that they are not going to be your standard uh you know businessman mm-hmm. or something like that so uh but also the idea that if you want to do good you so regularly have to engage with evil not mm-hmm. merely stopping it but you have to engage with a certain level of evil in order to maybe stop a greater evil which i yeah. think is that's an interesting idea it is it is and it's also ra- very disturbing when you yeah. see this idea that just because evil is contained doesn't mean that it is not active. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and certainly I think the best scenes in the film, and this is a film that has very tense horror type scenes. Uh, I think the most electric scenes are between Lecter and Starling when mm-hmm. there's a piece of glass in between them and that sort of thing. So it's a, uh, it's a very, it's a very powerful film emotionally. Um, it did win, yeah, it won five Oscars. It was also nominated for sound and editing. Um, and it is a film that I would say I recommend it, except that you've already seen it. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, good job, I guess is what I can say. Well done. In regards to the other best pictures, we have Beauty and the Beast, Bugsy, JFK, and The Prince of Tides. I have actually seen all of these, which surprises me. I, have you I seen all think, of them? I couldn't even tell you what The Prince of Tides is about. I, I it's a Barbra Streisand film okay. with Nick Nolte and Barbra Streisand in which uh, Nolte is, I don't remember what his profession is. I want to say he's a writer, but I might be wrong on that. And he's, he's basically from the South and his family is very well to do and they just keep all their emotions inside and just because of some of the events in his life, everything is starting to burst out and he can't really stop it. And so he goes to a psychiatrist played by Barbara Streisand and it's kind of about their relationship. And I think it, I think it starts to turn romantic at, at one point, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not a bad movie. Hmm. Um, certainly, um, it was sort of the beginning of, of Nick Nolte being seen as a serious actor, not merely, you know, the, the gruff part of a, uh, buddy cop film mm-hmm. and so um so that that's a it's a fine film i don't think it's great but i think there's some good performances in there mm-hmm. uh looking at these i love bugsy bugsy is a movie that not enough people have seen i, I haven't seen that one either it's a barry levinson film it stars warren Beatty as bugsy siegel the man who created uh las vegas and one of the things that i absolutely love about the film it this is not unlike uh the last best picture we talked about unforgiven which explores the western genre while absolutely being a part of it um bugsy explores the celebrity nature of gangsters Hmm. while being just as glitzy and glamorous as 
the lifestyles uh, in which movie stars and gangsters uh, in which they lived. And so there's a lot of style to the film. It really feels um, very, very heavily art directed, um, if that makes sense. And really one great performance. I, I don't consider um, Warren Beatty a wonderful actor, mm. but in the right role, he can be pretty great. And I mm. think Bugsy is his best performance ever. Mm. Um, and I highly recommend it. Not enough, like I said, not enough film people are aware of it, but I think if you watch it, you will like it. It Mm -hmm. is, uh, has a wonderful, um, score and great, just great acting all around. So, uh, and I think I'm not sure uh, as far as best picture, I'd probably go with Bugsy over silence of the lambs. I'd probably go with beauty and the beast over silence of the lambs. That's, that's one that uh, it's fascinating to me that those two movies were up against each other at the Oscars. Um, (laughs) that's so strange but that's that one's always been interesting to me that that one was nominated for best picture because i don't think is it it's it the first animated film i believe it is the first yeah and now it happens all the time now that there are 10 nominees right but it's only since the the 10 nominees so in the time where there were five nominees yeah this is the only one that ever made it i believe so yes so that's that's really interesting. I always wonder about like, what is it about this, about beauty and the beast that stood out more than a lot of these other Disney movies had. And it was the second film in sort of the Disney re- uh, Renaissance, the yeah. first being little mermaid. And mm-hmm. then one after this being Aladdin. And then mm-hmm. after that lion King, but yeah. uh, I think little mermaid got people paying attention to Disney again, mm-hmm. but then beauty and the ba- beauty and the beast, which is so visually gorgeous. Yeah. The music has a universal quality to it, mm-hmm. and it tells a story that people are familiar with. Creates really strong characters, um, and it and it made a lot of money. And it's just something that that adults. I mean, like it's not that I watch it on a regular basis, but I've seen it several times in my mm-hmm. life, and it does have a genuine resonance. Like yeah. a lot of the emotional connection between the characters seems earned. Yeah. And, uh, as opposed to some, some animated films, especially when it comes to like, oh, it's a fairy tale and these characters fall in love after a day or something like that. It just doesn't feel real. Whereas it's a film that feels emotionally real. Yeah. It feels like there are real stakes in it too. And I feel like it works very well as a musical too. Absolutely. I believe, I mean, at this point, a lot of, a lot of Disney films have, but I mean, they turned it into a stage play and apparently Mm -hmm. it's been very successful as that. Um, it also has, in my opinion, a really interesting villain because he's not, he's not looking to take over the world. He's not looking to, uh, take over a kingdom. He's just obsessed with himself. (laughs) He's obsessed with himself. He's egotistical and he's, he hates what is different. He hates the idea of a world in which he's not the best guy. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting. Yeah. I think, um, and I think that that is a, uh, that is, um, something that resonates with people, especially because beast is monstrous in a number of ways. Whereas Gaston is at the very least attractive and manly. He's everything that society would say you should look for. Yeah. Everybody else sees everything in him as a positive. Yeah. And that's the thing is, and it's precisely because he is these things that he is become that he becomes fairly monstrous Mm -hmm. because he, he's very aware that I am acceptable. Uh, and 
I don't know. It's uh, I I think we've actually talked about it as a companion film, so we won't go into it. But mm. I think Beauty and the Beast is a wonderful film. I think I'd probably pick that over Silence of the Lambs for I Best can, Picture. I could see that, yeah. But over all of these, we have JFK, which we talked about as the companion film for God's Not Dead. <laughs> um, and I think JFK is the best movie of that year. Mm. I think it is a wonderful achievement in filmmaking yeah. even if you don't agree with its theories about who killed jfk and frankly i don't think it even comes down 100 <laughs> percent on any one entity mm-hmm. um and so but just it's so propulsive and it's it's exciting um it's but it still has character arcs in there and it still has great performances it has everything that you're that you look for in a movie and so much more uh, it manages to seem like a documentary while also being genuinely engaging as a film, which is something that we talked about when discussing Saving Christmas mm-hmm. um, and that we talked about when we discussed uh, God's Not Dead. Um, I do think that that is the looking at these other looking at the other notable films of that year. I do think JFK was probably the best movie of the year. Hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, so in your opinion of these, and you, so you didn't see Bugsy and you haven't seen Prince of Tides, but you've seen yeah, the other ones. Yeah, I've seen the other two. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to, I don't have a huge, a huge beef with Science of the Lambs winning because it's still a really good movie. Yeah. Um, and maybe just on principle, I kind of, I get excited about the idea that a movie that isn't that type of film. Yeah. When the, uh, yeah. when the Academy throws us a curveball, it's kind of fun sometimes. Yeah. So, um, so looking at just a few of the other releases in 1991, it was it was a good year, but it wasn't a good year for best picture type of movies. You get Barton Fink, Cape Fear, uh, Thelma and Louise, which is a little best picture-y. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Grand Canyon. I don't know if any if you've seen that. That's a I haven't seen that it's one. a Lawrence Kasdan film. Hmm. Um, and then you know stuff like The Doors and L.A. Story, which I think is wonderful. My Own Private Idaho is a really good movie. And then Terminator 2: Judgment Day is. <laughs> A, I think a wonderful film that is yeah. everything that people look for when they go to a movie. Um, it's, but of course, it's not best picture material. No, no. But it's funny though. This year, there are a lot of kind of iconic American movies. Like yeah. I'd say, Silence of the Lambs is one. Beauty and the Beast is one. JFK is one. Thelma and Louise is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terminator is. Yeah. City Slickers. City is Slickers one. is too. Yeah. And I would say, uh, like Cape Fear is in there as well. Um, at, at the very least. <laughs> The, maybe the biggest cultural impact that Cape Fear had was in the Sideshow Bob character on The Simpsons, <laughs> where his initial, one of his two initial uh, appearances was meant to just be Cape Fear. And from then on, the Cape Fear music became the Sideshow Bob music. It's really <laughs> funny. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, I, I'm perfectly fine with Silence, Silence of the Lambs winning. As we always say, as we always discuss, if somebody said, hey, Josh, I'm going to watch Silence of the Lambs and they haven't seen it, they don't know anything about it, uh, would you warn them away from it or would you say, absolutely, go to it? No, I don't think I'd warn warn them away from it. I think I might say, I might say it is an, an intensely gory film and yeah. it's very disturbing at times. You have to know that going into it, but I, I feel like who doesn't these days? Yeah, at this point, a film like this, like... You just need to, you need to say to them, do you know that the main character is a cannibal? Yeah. <laughs> if they don't know that, then they probably don't know too much about this movie. But if you know that... Yeah. Then I feel like you kind of know what you're in for. And But what if somebody says, yeah, I know he's a cannibal, but I assume it didn't, it wouldn't really play into anything. <laughs> 
I thought that was just an interesting bit of color. I'd say then you, sir, are a fool. Yeah. It's like, maybe you should just not watch movies in general. <laughs> um, just stay away from media because I you think just, you're not interpreting it right. Just go to sleep and stay there for a long time. You've been sleeping for years. Oh, I just accidentally quoted uh, JFK. Um, <laughs> That's funny. So, okay. Uh, I think we will end there because we got to go see a movie. And, uh, and I think there's not much else to, uh, to say about, about the film, except if you haven't seen it, and you probably have, but if you haven't seen it and you are okay with the, some very disturbing imagery, and, and, but you still like your movies to be engaging and really draw you in, then Silence of the Lambs is really the film for you. Yeah. But anyway, okay. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Happy New Year. And Josh, same to you. And to, and to you and yours. Absolutely. For old Lang Syne. Oh, watch out. All right. We'll get you next time. Bye.